is going on, JRP listeners? I'm amped up today, or at least I'm acting like I am. And I probably won't be as amped up pretty soon. I don't know. Maybe I will. I talk about school pretty passionately. But uh, if you're new here, uh, my name's Justin Phillips, and I'm the host of this show. And my name is Gerard Mirabelli, the co-host. And today we're going to be talking about the five reasons that we believe that students do not do well in school. You're listening to JRP Daily, where each day, host Justin Phillips will bring you a new topic surrounding entrepreneurship, marketing, and business. You'll also get exclusive interviews from our guests who have all found a way to turn doing what they love into their career. Stay tuned for all of that and more on JRP Daily. All right, guys. So today we're going to talk about the five reasons that we believe that people do well or let's say underachieve in their schoolwork. I don't want to quite say fail because I know, you know, frickin' frack or get like get in the comment section someday. Be like, I don't fail in school. I get straight C's. I'll be like, yeah, that's failing if you ask me. But um, anyway, to, to, to get you started here, if you're listening to this slash watching this, this is an episode of JRP Daily that we do every single week on Sundays called Star Student Sundays or the the Star Student segment. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Something that has to do with being a star student. And that is a student of life and a student in the classroom. Formal education, self-education, all types of learning things. We will do episodes on how to learn better, how to take better notes, how to do things like that, how to do better in the classroom, literally, which is what we're going to be talking about today is actual formal in the classroom education. And a little bit before we started recording, me and Gerard kind of got on the same page what we think are the top five reasons that people do not do as well in school as they could. And I want you to pay attention to the way I phrase that really quickly, because I say people don't do as well as they could. So I don't want anyone coming up with the excuse that you're not, you're not gifted or you're not smart or you have like a learning disability, whatever. I don't want to hear those because I'm talking about you reaching your own potential in this episode. I'm not talking about you reaching my potential or Gerard's potential or being the best student in the universe, but most people do worse in school than they could. And there are reasons for that. And we're going to share those reasons with you. If you like the episode or if you like any of the JRP Daily episodes about anything, this one's about students. Show up on Sundays if you want this one. But I also do interviews with people, with entrepreneurs, with up-and-coming podcasters, YouTubers, with all things of that nature. Those are on Mondays. And I do these little faint solo episodes throughout the rest of the week, too, just to keep giving you guys content. I don't care if you listen to those, to be honest. Um, I think they're pretty good stuff, but I'll keep it all to myself if I have to. But if you want to keep up with all that, go ahead and subscribe on YouTube, on whatever audio platform you may or may not be listening to this on right now. If you are listening in audio, you found a platform, subscribe to us on that platform. If you're watching this on YouTube, Go to Spotify, go to Google, go to Anchor, go to Caster, Caster, that's not a thing, CastBox, Breaker, Stitcher, and any other of a million podcasting sites that you could go to and subscribe to us there and all the other social stuff that'll be in the in the, in the the down low. So Gerard, I'm going to get you rolling because I have the list over here written down on my computer, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and kind of let you give some of the first words on, but our first one. So the top five reasons that students fail to succeed in school. And I don't think these are in any particular order. We didn't put enough time and effort into actually doing that. So I'm just going to start with number one, the fear of failure. What do you think about that? Do you think the fear of failure plays a role in failing? Yes. Yeah, I absolutely do. Okay. To what degree? I mean, you know, elaborate on that. Yeah. You know, it's not really, it doesn't make sense. Right. You're not going to, we're not really going to fail because what is failure? It's just not in school and then what dropping out. Exactly. And then after that, you'd what find a job in the real world. Maybe maybe try at a different school. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Get a, get just a regular job. You live with your parents for a little bit longer. It's not really failing it. Like failing would be like failing life, going hungry, everyone around you dying. It's, it's not, it's not the end of the world, and yet we we act like it is. It is, yeah. We think and that it is. is part of that's something I didn't even think about. But another part that I thought you were going to go and say, but you didn't necessarily when you said it doesn't make sense, is if you're afraid that you're going to fail at school, especially college. High school is a different story because you have to go for at least like two years. But more so, college is kind of what's relevant to us right now. 
Because why would you go if you think that you're not capable of doing what you need to do while you're there? But so so why do you think the fear of failing actually causes us to fail? Like, yeah, that's the question. I don't. I, I acted like I was going to say something else. I wasn't. We have. Uh, has it ever affected you? Let me ask you that question. Yeah, yeah. I have. I have this this odd, weird feeling of, of fear of failure that everyone else does too. I'm not saying I'm any exception to it by any means. Right. I might even be worse than a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's absolutely affected me before. You know, I want to do well and I want to make uh, my family, my friends. Everyone who knows me, uh, proud that they know me. Uh, I want to be someone that they can look up to. And if I don't meet those expectations, yeah, I feel like a, I feel like yeah. a failure. I feel like you're failing. And so does that, that fear of failing actually hinder the work? Do you think that you actually get done or anything? Do you think you would be doing better if you weren't kind of thinking to yourself? I don't want to say all the time, but if you weren't thinking to yourself at all, like, oh man, like what happens if I don't do this? You know, do you think that would improve your performance overall or not? I actually think it would uh, make it worse because okay. I've been in I've been in classes before where the student doesn't care about failing, or I should say, doesn't care about getting a poor grade in the class so long as they pass. Right. They they don't have that fear, and yet they don't care about the class, and they do very very poorly in it. Mm-hmm. So I think having a little bit of that fear does actually help a little bit. It obviously goes too far sometimes, but right. I think having a little bit of it is good. Right. I don't know. I don't know if fear of failure is the best thing that you want. I think I think it's more of a you should care about passing. Like definitely for yeah. sure hundred yeah. percent. Or care about doing good, I should say. And that's gonna that's gonna overlap into one of our other points we're gonna mention. But um I have heard stories to it. I think I think the biggest the most relevant thing I can think of that this has to do with is uh, the so-called test anxiety. And I do see it a lot in school where people kind of psych themselves out too much about a test and it causes them to overthink, overstudy. I don't want to say overstudy, but it's, it's what causes people to study the wrong information. It's what causes people to put too much in their head that they can't remember anything. And there is there is a limit. And there is such a thing as yeah they they don't they don't focus on the important stuff right and they don't I think when people are afraid of failing so much first of all it self esteem kind of goes down a little bit you know what I mean you know mm-hmm. you start to think I'm I'm gonna fail and you know your mindset is your reality basically or at least I believe that and when you start thinking you're gonna fail you're setting yourself up to fail okay I I strongly uh, I'm weird on the mindset thing because I don't believe that what you think is what's going to happen. I think what your mindset is, not necessarily just your thoughts, specifically your mindset and your mentality, has a lot to do with what comes to fruition. And also that you have to think, you have to keep in mind that you can fail. I think that's a good thing to think about anything in life is telling yourself, I can fail at this. Like failure is an option, it's there but I don't think you should think I'm going to fail at this in yeah. any particular thing. So the fear, but the fear of failure, I think it's people so wrapped up in their own heads. And if anyone listening to this, because I know someone someday is going to listen to this is going to have test anxiety or is going to just be afraid of failing. Um, first of all, do it. <laughs> I've failed at a lot of things and they're usually the best things I've ever done. And guess what? I'm a lot better at them now than I was then. And define failure for yourself too, because you could consider the first episode you and I did of a podcast a failure. You could consider these episodes to still be failures, depending on what your standards are. You could. And, but um, we've gotten a hell of a lot better at it since the first day we did it. And that's, that's kind of usually how it works, is that when you fail at things, you get better at them, especially if you care, like hands down, plain and simple. So the first point, everybody, that will help you improve your test scores, that will help you improve your grades overall, your ability to do homework, your ability to write essays, your ability to read, is to stop worrying about what you can't do and focus on what you can do. And that should that should help. And just literally calming down a little bit and facing reality, telling yourself, you know, what's really going to happen if I fail this quiz? Because I think that's another thing. 
that pertains specifically to college is that if you fail a quiz, you fail a test, what is it going to do? Like, you're not going to lose your dream job because you failed one test in college, unless your dream job is, yeah, no, there isn't one. Like, if you fail one test in college. Now, if you fail multiple tests in college, your GPA drops, you get kicked out of the nursing program in your school, yeah, that's an issue. And if that's happening, you shouldn't be in that program. That's why these rules exist in the first place. Another way that I approach exams in my own schooling, I have this fun little tidbit that I'll share with the world right now on how I do better on exams on average, depending on the subject, obviously. But on average, I do better on exams than people. I have this rule with myself where I will not, you know how you used to walk in in high school? I don't I don't think you have like assessments as much in your school endeavor so much as no, just, we just have a project. You don't have, yeah. You don't have like tests and quizzes and stuff. But you used to walk into a quiz day or a test day in high school, and this happens in college too, for those of you that aren't video game artists, that, um, <laughs> you know, you walk in and everybody's sitting there with their book open, like their highlighter out, they're like cramming this last minute information in. Like, you know what I'm talking about. I I'm, do. Not, yeah. I'm not the only one that's experienced yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, I know. And I've made it a point to not do that. And I have a rule with myself that once I go into the classroom that I'm taking the exam in, like I have to walk through the door with the same knowledge I'm going to have while I'm taking the test. I'm not going to learn anything new. Yeah, do any extra in that classroom in like the ten minutes beforehand, because first of all, that makes me actually study the night before or with ample time before to study. Yeah, and it makes me the the point of being tested is to see what you can know. You know, it's not, it's not like if you don't pass this test, we're going to kick you out. We, you, it, it's to test you. It's to see what you know. So if you don't know the information, like still don't sweat about it. That's what we're trying to find out is whether yeah. or not. Well, you and know when the you, information, when you cram that last 10 minutes, you don't actually know that stuff. After the mm-hmm. test, you're going to, it's going to go right out your memory. Yeah. Even when you, you study beforehand, a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a big issue and a whole other topic is just the education system in general is that we are taught more to retain or not to retain information but to to, to like short term to recite it short term yeah. retain information you know what i mean and to memorize and to be able to just kind of spit fire information instead of actually absorbing it and synthesizing it and yeah. understanding it for the long term so let's move on to point number two i think we got the, okay. the fear of failing across uh, the second point i made the most obvious one that most people are going to know about already. And this is where all the excuses are going to come in too, is procrastination. How often do you procrastinate? Once in a while. Yeah. Not happens. a lot, but once that in a while. The best. Because I think everybody in the world procrastinates and to say yeah. that nobody I'm does. Gonna, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be that guy who's like, I never procrastinate. I always do my work. No. Yeah, and if anybody out there is that guy, they're full of shit. Like most of the most successful people that I've talked to and I know through podcasts and stuff, will probably tell you that they procrastinate and they're not very happy with themselves for it, but they'll tell you they do it because yeah. self-awareness, right? But so procrastination, let's, let's kind of define procrastination here quickly. Uh, procrastination, in our own words, I'm not looking this up anywhere, but mm-hmm. procrastination is basically distracting yourself from doing work. I think it's the best way to put it. And uh, you're doing it. People are doing it, whether they want to believe it or not. And it is having an effect on how well you do and how well you could be doing. So, yeah, uh, procrastination is not good. Procrastination, I have I have a friend, I interviewed him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, his name is Roger Brooks. He put out a video a couple of days, and he talked about it a little bit in the podcast, and a couple of days later, he also came out, and I thought this was very interesting. He views procrastination as a disease, because the little-known thing that I think a lot of people don't, I don't want to say don't know, because I don't know if it's true, but don't think about with procrastination, is that it spreads. And when your friends are procrastinating, you procrastinate, you know? And also not only that it spreads like person to person, you know, like the freaking plague, but it's it, it kind of grows inside of you. You know, it's it's almost, dare I say, cancerous, where, well, you know, it starts as a little kind of malfunction inside of you, but then it just grows. And the more you procrastinate, the more you procrastinate. Yeah, definitely. Well, how many how many times have you needed to work on a project and or or someone you might have seen like on campus 
Mm-hmm. They need to work on a project really badly or work on an assignment or whatever the case may be. And their friends are like, no, nah, let's go get something to eat. Let's go get yeah. ice cream or pizza or whatever. Right. Yeah. And they drop what they're doing and they go get pizza or ice cream. Yeah. And, it, and it's totally natural to procrastinate. That's, yeah, it's totally. And I think that's something that we need to, yeah, we need to acknowledge is that it's perfectly normal and people do it. So I think the funniest form of procrastination to me is a lot of times people in college will try to study together or do work together. And that is the biggest setup for procrastination. I think I can't tell you the number of times I've, you know, me and my friend are in the same class. We have a quiz the next day. He's like, yo, come up, come on up to my room. We'll study together. It'll be great. We'll get things done. And we sit there and talk for four hours and we get tired and go to bed and never look at yeah, the like, work. Yeah, no that way. we were supposed to be doing. So, I agree. I get the, I usually get the most amount of work done when I'm by myself, typically. Yes. yes. And that's not true for everybody. I, I'm not saying you can't get work done with other people, but I'm saying odds are you are making excuses all the time. We all are. Yeah. And the, the sooner you start realizing that there are excuses and being real with yourself, even just doing that, even if you don't get rid of them after that, but even if you just start realizing it, you'll start to do better because you'll start to know how to cut out distractions like that and how to say, okay, I don't get things done when I'm with person A, B, or C, so I'm not going to keep doing things with person A, B, or C if I want to get things done. Like that's right. That's the way it works. And procrastination is obviously the biggest killer. And I think there's also a point to be made that it is hurting you in some way, shape, or form, because I think a lot of people, you know, on the inside think, well, it's not really affecting me that much. There's a, I believe it's Parkinson's law. I I hope I'm naming the right law, but it is the law that- Parkinson's when you shake? Yeah, that's Parkinson's disease, but I believe there's also Parkinson's law. Oh, okay. Which is that, let me look it up real quick. Parkinson's law. Yeah, so Parkinson's law, states that work expands at so as to fill the time available for its completion so basically that means that that, that's why everybody procrastinates and does things when they have a deadline when they have a project due tomorrow night they're on it and they're just they're hammering it out and they're going like superhuman mode on it Mm -hmm. whereas when they have you know 12 weeks to do it the the work expands over the course of that 12 weeks right and then as it inches closer and closer and closer it's kind of like if you were looking at it in graph form, you know, you would, you know what, I can make a little whiteboard on the screen. So why don't I and put our audio listeners through hell? Yeah. Um, While so, you're doing that, I absolutely agree with that law. Throughout, yeah. <laughs> throughout these 20 months I've been at college, no matter what the assignment, whether it's a big assignment, a small assignment, it somehow does manage to take me the week mm-hmm. or al- almost always. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it tends to expand to fill the time that you have to do it. So that is Parkinson's law. I'm going to see if I can pull up an image here mm-hmm. and kind of, so yeah, this is, I think the best way to put it. So I'm going to try, you can see my whiteboard here, right? I can. Okay. So I just want to draw something real quick to make sure it's actually working the way it's supposed to. And Gerard, it's your job to narrate what I'm drawing. Okay, so yeah, yeah. here's the general picture they use for Parkinson's law oh this one's doing it in terms of money that's pretty cool uh, but i don't want money right now i want student people yeah so, you can see that for another episode okay so what we're gonna draw here is we're gonna draw a little graph kind of like this yep typical and, l shape for those just listening yep, we got our, our x-axis and our y-axis and on this side we're gonna put e for effort that is a very bad e and on the down here we're gonna put e for time like time allocated to do the project and this is yep. going to be we're going to put a minus down here and a plus up here. So this is more effort. And then, of course, a minus right here. Along, it's and a plus over here. Time on this. the other axis. Exactly. So basically what the graph looks like is right here. We'll start down at zero here. We'll go up to about here. And then we'll come shooting down right about here and then kind of even it out like this. So as, you know, when you have less time... Okay you have more effort going into your project. And then as the more amount of time that you have allocated to do the project this way, the closer to zero effort you are going to put into it. So here's my wonderful drawing of how Parkinson's law works. And getting back to what we're talking about, 
You know, this is this is essentially procrastination explained to a mathematician right here. Is yeah, I like it. The effort increases with the less time that you have to do such a thing. So I'm not even gonna try to give anyone the advice to not procrastinate because you're going to do it. I think it's more important to first become aware of the fact that you are, and that will kind of make you get a little bit harder on yourself and start being more, just more more real with yourself, as I always say. And that'll start to cause you to actually get things done. And maybe, you know, maybe you say you have like, you have two weeks to do a project and you don't start doing it until the day before, right? If you start being real with yourself and doing it that way, maybe you'll start, you'll have two weeks to do a project. You'll start, start it the week before, and then you'll start it a week and a half before, you know, and eventually you'll kind of start to, to grow the amount of time that you take. So anything else on procrastination that you have to add? No, I think we're, I think we're good on that. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in a future episode so we can on the next one. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll just break each of these points down into their own episode. Um, Three, point number three, the dependency of thoughts. I think that's one me and Gerard have talked about in the past before and about how we both try to improve this on our own every single day. And if you don't know what I mean by the dependency of thought, I mean the ability to think for yourself. So to me, this has to do with mental laziness and teenagers especially love to parrot people and they love to be told what to think and they love to get their ideas from everywhere and anywhere else and it's a weird conversation to have with me at least as to whether or not you should do this because i i believe you should absorb all information and kind of filter it through your own filter and you know put out the output whatever the output is it's like those input and output tables we used to do in like middle school math yeah i agree it's like you know take all the information in kind of pick apart what's good, what's not, what you agree with, what you don't agree with, what you think makes sense, what you think doesn't make sense, and then put out your own results into the world. Uh, Gerard, I know you've said you've struggled with this in the past. And I have. I think it was one of your New Year's resolutions or one of the, on the New Year's resolutions. I believe it was too. Well, how how often do you see, and you can, you can see this when, when students are like in middle school, how often have you heard someone tell a joke and you're with a third person, a third friend, yeah. they absorb the joke. And then you're with the third friend later, but without the first yeah. friend, the third friend says the joke, right. doesn't credit the first friend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that, but with, uh, through middle the, school, everybody thoughts. does that. I know a yeah, lot yeah. of adults that do that. And I think another prime example of that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm guilty of that as well. You know, it's, yeah. it's a normal human thing. Yeah. Uh, politics. You know, how many people yes. in that like to argue about politics, that like to tweet and Facebook post about politics, how many of them are coming up with their own ideas and their own content for politics versus how many of them are just parroting what they saw in whatever newspaper they like to read or news site they like to read off of. Yeah, absolutely. Or whatever news channel they like to watch. And, and again, know. I've been guilty of that. Oh, everybody is for mm-hmm. sure. And I mean, part of the reason for that is because for a lot of us, it's access. It's like that's that's the information we get access to is what the news has. Obviously, the actual like news people have the benefit, which they don't use in a very good way. They have the benefit of going to the source. Like when Notre Dame burned down, you know, Notre Dame <laughs> burned down a couple weeks ago. Very tragic, by the way, not to make a joke out of it. I'm just making fun of myself for not being able to pronounce things. Mm-hmm. Um is you know some people have the benefit of going there and being there some very very few people you know someone out there knows what caused the fire yeah you have to think of it that way absolutely and you can't say that we know everybody around here is saying oh it was sparks from a remodeling construction error or something or other but that's what we were told you know and i don't know for sure i, I don't mean to get all I don't mean to get all Alex Jones conspiracy on this, but um, but I mean that that's the truth, you know. We I'm not saying I'm not going to tell you what I believe happened or what I don't believe happened because, frankly, I don't have a belief on it because I wasn't there. So I'm not going to say, oh, this is what happened. I'm not going to say, oh, someone burned it down. I'm not going to say, oh, it was a construction mishap. I'm not going to say, oh, this, that, and the other. But someone does know, and we do get told what happened time and time and time again. Do and how many how many times do you see people take the bait and they 
they they, they say it when you're with time. them in public and it, you're like dude we don't know that for sure there is no like fathomable way to explain how often this is happening is it is literally like the continuity is unreal it is a continuous people are getting information in one ear and then when they want to sound smart they spew it out their mouth yep. you know they're copying and even i'm sure even the people that we're copying are copying people and then they're copying people it's almost like getting counterfeit money like good counterfeit money when it could have been passed around 16 times to people that didn't know it was counterfeit and the last guy is the sucker that tries to hand it to someone that has one of the little machines it's like oh yeah this is counterfeit oh yeah kind of in the bank have you ever thought about that i've thought about that a lot with i haven't thought about that but it kind of reminds me of that uh game we used to play as kids that telephone game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> telephone, yeah. I've always thought about that with counterfeit bills. Like I've always felt so bad because if someone that like works for themselves or something and I find out that they gave me a counterfeit bill at like my job or something, I, I never know how to approach it and be like, yeah, this is counterfeit. Cause I don't want to be like just a total snob for lack of better well, term well, especially like, if there are because, people around you don't want to you don't want to exactly and i don't want to be like oh you, you get, get a counter you don't want them to turn offense to you know turn yeah. on the offense towards you exactly and i don't want to be like gotta, you just got to say you know sir ma'am I, yeah. I can't accept this yeah you know i, I don't want to be like you gave me a counterfeit bill you you little weasel because i feel like odds are in most situations they'll most be like know. some other dipshit gave me a counterfeit bill and then maybe some other dipshit gave it to them and you'd have to trace it all the way backwards. But mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing with this this dependency of thought is that we don't like to think for ourselves, which causes us to not think critically or analytically. And, you know, we just want to to be... There, there are two types of this too. And Neil deGrasse Tyson brought this up once in an interview I watched with him where he said, you know, there are people that like to accept everything they hear. They like to believe everything that they hear. And then there are people that like to disbelieve everything they hear. They don't believe anything they hear, everything they say. Nope, that couldn't be it. You know, and I want to make a point that these two people are like equally as intellectually lazy as the other. You know, it is just as mentally lazy to accept every single thing you hear as it is to not accept anything that you hear. So, yeah, because when you not accept, when you don't accept everything, then you're. You know, you're just trying to be like an edge lord, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> as uh, as the memers like to say. So if you if you agree with everything or disagree with everything, you're not a smart person. Like I'm just gonna put it that way, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying. You know, I, I I think you should take in everything you hear, and process it, and then form an opinion, and then spit it back out, basically. And that's how the dependency of thought works. And again, guys, what we're talking about here is things that could help you do better in school. So the reason that not being dependent on other people's thoughts could help you in school, because it is true that the education system is kind of built for the teacher to say something and then for you to regurgitate the information. But when you start learning how to think for yourself, you start you start actually making sense out of the information that you're being given. And when you can make sense out of the information that you're being given, that's why I'm such a good math person is because I never really approached math as the as the like kind of trying to memorize the process that we were being given but it's like why does this make sense to do this you know i have an operations class right now where he's always saying that he'll always say in that class like the math is easy i'm not trying to teach you the math i'm trying to teach you to think the way that you need to and understand the logic that goes behind the math right you know when you can to put it on like a first grade level when you can you can either approach the first grade math problems with your oranges and apples as you know the problem has a three in it and a one in it, so I'm going to write three plus one, and I'm going to get four, and then get thrown off. But if you can understand the thinking of I have three apples and I have one orange, that's why I'm adding the numbers three and one, you know, then things start to make more sense. So stop being dependent thinkers and start thinking a little bit more independently. Come up with your own ideas, with your own thoughts. You'll feel really cool when you do. Every time I have a thought that I didn't just hear from someone else because i know i i mean i'm perfectly guilty of it go back and listen to all these episodes like i just said you know neil degrasse tyson says this blah 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 says this well you know i do that all the time yeah, well, yeah but we're, um, we just did in a couple minutes and yeah but it, it helps if you don't do that is the bottom line so point number four poor time management that might be my favorite topic ever 
So, Gerard, I'm going to let you do the, the beginning, the opening for time management, because I'll get going and I won't stop. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, we're all guilty of this. Uh, as some... we are with all of them. In case as we are with all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, I guess we don't need to say that. But anyway, we have all had projects and assignments where you're working on them and you get doing something else, procrastinating or something yeah. like that. You don't schedule your time the way it properly should be scheduled. And then you're busy working on it at the last minute, like uh, Parkinson's Law. I was going to say, this goes right back into Parkinson's Law. Yeah, a lot of these tie together. That's all right. That's good. Also, time management, like poor time management is my number one pet peeve on the planet. For anyone that doesn't know that by this point in my social media and podcasting endeavors, I hate people that cannot manage their time. Or I hate I hate people that refuse to acknowledge the fact that they can do something about their time. First, okay, here are my laws of time management. These are Phillips's laws of time. Um, I'm the timekeeper, surprise. Um, the keeper we need of, a school to write these down yeah, on. Yeah, if only you had one lying around somewhere. And <laughs> But uh, yeah, so first of all, my first and most important rule of time, and I'm flying off the top of my head here. If I, someday I think I will actually write like a 10 commandments of time to just like put on the internet that are my own. Definitely should. The first one is everybody has the same amount of time in a day. And the point I want you to take away from that, if you're listening to this or watching this, is that you can't say I didn't do this thing that somebody else did because I don't have the time to do it. They have the exact same amount of time as you. Mark Cuban gets 24 hours every day to do what he can with that 24 hours. So do I, so does some homeless guy living in Baltimore, so do you. So everybody, everybody has 24 hours in a day. That's how it works. So you can't say like, I don't have the time to do what Mark Cuban does to make himself so so rich. I don't have the time to do what Ed Milet does. I don't have the time to do what Gary Vaynerchuk does. Yes, you do. You just have to do those things. And you can surprise yourself probably with how much you can actually get done in a day. But that would be number one is everybody has the same amount of time. Everybody fills it differently. That's the difference. Um, Number two, let me think of a number two real quick. Uh, Number two would basically be like adjustments can be made. I guess, uh, because one, for example, one thing I do, I've adjusted to myself to have more time of the day is that, and and this all, this is all going to go into prioritization. The number one thing you could do to give yourself more time is go to bed an hour later, wake up an hour earlier. One of the two, do both, do something like that. It's simple as that. I've recently, my first class this semester, well, it's different each day, but you know, my first class on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays starts at nine o'clock in the morning. I started waking up at seven, sometimes six in the morning and getting stuff done. And I'll tell you, you don't think of it. And I know the feeling of waking up at six o'clock in the morning. I get that feeling. I just wanted to hit the snooze button, or in my case, tell my Echo Dot to change my alarm to something else. But if you can get over that hump and actually get yourself out of bed, you will feel so good for the rest of the day. I don't know what it is that does that. You get a lot more productive. You do because you kind of catch your body in the in the up in the upward trend of energy, I think is what I want to say instead of catching it on the fall back down. Like if this is like your peak energy level at the top, and again, I know I have people that can't see my fingers pointing, but I'm drawing like a basic bell curve with my fingers and you get to the top, like this is your peak performance energy. Like when you wake up early, you're catching it in this rising phase, and then you move up to that peak energy. I think when you wake up, like as soon as your first class starts or as soon as work starts or whatever it is that you have to be doing, they wake up for it, you kind of just, you know, you kind of just flatline almost across the whole day. Yeah. You're catching yourself almost at your peak, basically, at the most work you're going to be doing that day, and then you only get tired from there. So, but I, I mean, I, like, you know, on the days that I wake up at six in the morning around like noon, I am fired up. 
I am moving. I've been trying the cold shower thing too. I think that has a part to play in it, but not so much as just getting yourself out of bed. And all of these things end up just being like a little hump that you have to get over. And that's why so many people can't do it is because they don't want to get over that hump. But if you can just, if you can just roll out of bed, if you can just, you know, stand in the cold water in the shower for five seconds so your body gets used to it, like the rest is so rewarding. Yeah, you perk right up. And yeah, I've been working, I agree with this. I've been working on projects before where it's 1230 at night and I'm falling asleep at my computer mm-hmm. instead of working on it for another hour or quote unquote working on it for another hour when really I'm half asleep the whole time. I'm going to go to bed right then and there and I'm going to wake up a little bit earlier than I was going to mm-hmm. to make up for that time and I'll have a little bit more energy in me. Yeah, that is that is an amazing point. And that that's kind of what what I was referencing more so with the with the little bell curve thing is that when you when you get a lot of work done because some people just like to stay up late and they like to well yeah some people are night owl you know and, but I, I I'm on team early bird now because that's kind of what I was saying with that graph is that when you do work in the morning you're gonna start off kind of foggy kind of tired and your work is going to get better as you go and you're gonna get more focused and you're gonna get more productive when you try to play the night owl game you're catching yourself on that way down. So you're going to start feeling pretty good, but your work is going to start to slack off. You're going to get less productive. You're going to get less quality work coming out of your system. Like I'm sure you could probably vouch for that with your projects. I'm sure they're probably higher quality when you don't do them at night when you're tired, but when you do them in the morning when you're tired, you know, you're working your way upward. Yes. When you do them at night, you're working your way downward. So you do the same thing with studying since we're talking about students too, you know? A lot of times instead of like last night, I'll take this as the perfect example. I had a quiz this morning and I had to score Kipaki last night, which I was there. I, I got back to campus at midnight. Let's just put it that way. And I had a quiz at nine o'clock in the morning and I didn't look at my notes last night because I went to bed, told myself I was going to get up at seven in the morning. And what I do is I get up, I go to the dining hall for breakfast. I study there while I'm study there, yeah. awake. And then, like I said, I put the books away. And then by the time I get to the classroom, I don't study in there either because that's my rule with myself that I have. But I, it's just, I, I find it so much better to do anything in the morning for higher quality, for better work. And it feels so good. I think it's like the best part that we could actually explain to people that might actually incentivize them to want to do it. And one of the things I started doing with my like waking up at 6 a.m. thing is that I started recording the solo episodes of this podcast in the morning and they're done before eight o'clock in the morning. And it feels so good to have yeah, things you're, done. You're, you already have something accomplished Every single day right off the bat. Like I did an episode of the podcast a long time ago that was called, it had something to do with 10 a.m. 10 and what I talked about was getting everything done by 10 a.m. Because sometimes I'll still do that. I'll admit I don't do that every day. But I remember it was just this one day is what put the idea in my mind is that I had all this stuff to do that day. I had projects to finish. I had people to contact. I had podcast episodes to upload. I was still doing Instagram a lot more actively at that time needed to get post up. I woke up at like six in the morning and I just did everything by 10 o'clock in the morning. I had papers written. I had, I think two podcast episodes uploaded by that time that day. And it was like, sounds awesome. Yeah. It just, it feels so good when it's not even lunchtime yet. And you're just like, I have everything done. I needed to get done today. Something uh, something else I've heard is that actually being lazy too. If you're thinking to yourself right now, I'm lazy. I don't want to do this. I, I like being lazy. It's part of my identity, whatever you want to think. I think being lazy is one of the biggest motivators for people, for successful people to get things done because the faster you get everything done, the more time you'll have in the back half of the day to be lazy. To be lazy. And I know Andy Frisella does that and he's talked about that and he was on here. You know, if he can get everything done by noon, he has all day to sit on the couch to watch Netflix, to do this, that, and the other. So I'm not saying that you should do those things per se, but as a stepping stone to being more productive is because I think at some point the ultimate goal is to work smarter and harder, right? Not smarter or harder. So it's to get more done. It's to get more done in a short amount of time and then do that throughout the whole day. To get as much done as physically possible, but as a stepping stone to that, write down what you need to get done tomorrow, and then try to get all that stuff done before a certain time tomorrow, noon, maybe one o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. 
and then use the back half of the day to do whatever you want. And it'll feel good. And maybe that'll incentivize you to do it again. And then maybe that'll incentivize you to do it again and again and again. And that can be used as a stepping stone to eventually get you to where you want to be. Now, the last thing I'll talk about on time management, because ironically, I think we're making this episode very long by talking about it. Because so of our poor time management. And well, it's not because of our poor time management, <laughs> because of our very good time management that we have this much time in the day to do a long episode. Sure. And I'm still getting everything done. I'm still getting my 4.0 GPA and I'm still making money on the side, editing videos and stuff. Anyway, uh, time management. I just got done reading a book uh, like right before I started doing interviews today. And there was a chapter in that on time management. And he talked about a new aspect of it that I've never thought about before, but this kind of ability. No, I'm going to have two more things. Uh, this is a Grant Cardone thing. I wrote his book, The 10X Rule. It's an awesome book. Get it. Read it. Super cool. And he talks about creating time for yourself. And basically, this has to do with outsourcing, which you can hear me talk about in other entrepreneurial episodes of this if you look back. But I think it's important for people to understand how to separate their time from their money or from whatever it is they need to separate it from. Because they're basically, the main way to separate your time, I think, is to get other people on board doing it with you. Because when you have two people working towards the same goals 24 hours a day, that in theory is 48 hours a day that you have. And when you have 20 people doing that, you know, that's in theory a lot of hours in the day that you have, you know, what, two. 40, 480 hours, something like that. Yeah. That you would have. Get done what they get done. Exactly. You know, that's why, and that's why it seems like to certain people that CEOs of companies don't do anything. Because ultimately, a CEO's job is to make sure that everybody else is doing their job. Um, if you ever want to look up on that, look up the story of Jack Ma. Uh, he's one of like the top names you'll hear in entrepreneurship from, I think, China. I hope China. And uh, he started Alibaba, which is just like a wildly successful wholesaling site. And, you know, he always talks about that. Uh, he's he's the perfect guy to read up on if you want to know how many times you can fail in your life and still become ultra mega rich because he got he got denied jobs at KFC. He got like 15 times or something. KFC said, no, we can't hire you. You're not smart. You're not qualified for whatever nice reason. KFC. Yeah. <laughs> So he started Alibaba and not KFC, but you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, Colonel Sanders was not a fan. Colonel Sanders, by the way, didn't actually start KFC till he was like 62. So there's your, there's the hole in your argument. Like, yeah. So if you're like 50 and listening to it and then you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm pretty late and like, no, you're not. Shut the fuck up. No way. And um, where was I going with that? Jack Ma. Yeah. I saw him giving a speech once too. And he like, that's what he was saying. You know, he said he found out his job was to find people that could do the job that need to get done and to put them together and to make sure they work together in the most efficient way. So that's why you, one way you can separate your time. I know we're students and I'm getting on my entrepreneurship rant here, but now there is ways to create time for yourself and there are reasons that you'll do it too. And I think uh, family is one of the biggest reasons that you see people start to learn how to manage their time is if they have a kid and they need to start making time. for. It's amazing how productive people get once they have a reason. A, 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 yeah, skin in the game, someone that they that depends on them. It is amazing what people get done once that happens. Yeah. So I forget exactly what Grant Cardone was talking about in this book, but that was the example he used was that he's a really big sales guy for anybody that doesn't know, and real estate guy too, for that matter. And you know, he, he talks about how he'd make like a hundred calls an hour, like or cold calls for sailing or sailing, selling or something like that. And he he had his first kid pretty late in his life, but he had his first kid, and all of a sudden the same amount of calls he was making or he was putting out in an hour were being put out in fifteen minutes, whether that was a hundred calls, hundred fifty, however many calls, because he had a little team of people that would help him do it, and he would just drive further because he wanted to make sure that he could have. I'm in his day to spend with his family, so on and so forth. Yeah. And the last thing that kind of bounces off of that is I really like this thing that Ed Milet does where he he redefined a day for himself. And I I want to do this. It'll be easier to do this when I don't have everything else telling me how a day works. I know that's an excuse, but whatever. And but he does he does he says six hours is a day. 
you know, he views his day as six hours long. He views 6 a.m. to noon as one of his days, noon to 6 p.m., one of his days, and then 6 p.m. to midnight, one of his days. And he acts as so everything that he thinks. So when you're writing, when you're taking my advice later on, folks that are listening to this, and you're writing down the goals that you need to get done tomorrow as the goals you can get done in the day, he does the same thing. Chunk it into three. He just gets it done in six hours. Uh, segments. Because, like, well, like I was saying, too, I had that day where I, I woke up and got everything done by 10 a.m. And he'll talk about that. You have those days sometimes where you just seem to get everything done earlier. Like, damn, that's pretty good. And you get that realization, maybe I can do all the work I need to get done in a day in four hours or six hours, something like that. So he does. You know, he writes down a day's worth of work and tries to get it all done from 6 to 12, and then from 12 to 6, and then from 6 to midnight, and then he sleeps from 12 to 6. So that, mm-hmm. that type of thing, too. But I guess I'll try to get off my, my soapbox on time management here soon. And also the other, the fun the fun side effect of running things like that, too, he was talking about on uh, actually one of my friends' podcasts that I've become acquainted with that I interviewed, the they got Ed Milet as a guest on their show. and. He said, he was talking about the one day he like went to the Grammys, I think it was, or some awards ceremony like that. I think it was the Grammys. And he said it was super fun because he got to spend two days at the Grammys instead of one night because of the way he structures his days. <laughs> so just think about that. You do anything from noon to noon to midnight, then, then you get to spend two whole days there. Yeah, it's two. Just yeah, one. Interesting. So, so yeah, just don't ever get arrested like that because then you'll be spending three times as much time in jail. Um, <laughs> So what? Oh, nope. I don't. I, yep. Okay. I pressed the wrong button here. I pressed the wrong button again. Last one. No ambition. We've talked about that before. So, uh, George, do you see an ambition problem in, let's say, people, but more specifically, young adults being our age, that eighteen to twenty-six range? I kind of target everything towards. Absolutely. When I am in a class that is not of my expertise. I still try to do my best in regardless. Some people in my class do not feel the same way. If I'm a character artist or say someone else is a character, I'll, I'll, I'll use uh, a, an example of a different student. If that different student is a character artist like myself, just random example, and we're in an environment class, we're making environments instead of characters. Mm-hmm. And they're halfway through the class and they're not doing so hot. They're like, well, I'm making characters. It doesn't matter how, how good I am at this. It does matter. You want to be good at everything. You want to learn as much mm-hmm. as you can learn uh, with this opportunity you've been given. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've, yes. And would you say that your, the answer is probably both. Would you say that your goal is to get the highest mark you can in that class? Or do you think it's more so derived from just wanting to be the best version of yourself that you can be? It's more so the best version of myself that I can be. Right. And and then from that, probably your grade is a signifier. Yeah, of- it, it's like a it's like a branch off of that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the way I am too. And I do believe in this thing that you the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, right? Uh, this is something else I've picked up recently from people I follow. And um I see I see your bed behind you and your cat on your bed, which have been there. And it looks to me like your bed is made. Yes, I, I hope your bed is made, or else I just look like a dipshit right now. And it is. Um, I don't know if I can play with the camera here. Let me see. That's my bed over on the other side here. My bed is also made. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is one of the like brain hacks that I've been studying is to make your bed every morning. And <laughs> it goes to show through you. You've probably done it your whole life more so. I didn't actually start making my bed. I, I tried doing it for a while. I stopped, and then I started doing it again. But the whole thing behind the, like, make your bed every morning mentality, people are like, well, why, why is that going to make me successful? Like, what does making my bed have to do with everything? Is that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you get up in the morning and you make your bed, you put effort into doing something, and you try to do it well. I don't know how you would unwell do your bed, but, like, mm-hmm. You know, if you if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do in the morning is put effort into a task that you want to get done, then you will start putting effort into everything, yeah. and you you're will start already off on the right foot. Results. You're off on the right foot, 
you know, and it's like the most basic of example of put in the work, see your result, and then you have a nice bed. And there's this whole spiel that like uh, some Navy officer or something that went around the internet very viral pretty recently, actually, where he was talking about it and like hitting all these points, you know, because that it's a good way to start out your day. Uh, it'll probably put your day on the right path. And even if it doesn't, even if you have an awful day, you come home to a made bed, right? So absolutely. Uh, so uh, making your bed is one of those fun little tips I like to throw in there. But we're talking about ambition. And yeah, I think it's just something that people should have. And another and thing I want to talk about. It's very difficult to teach. Yes, I would say it. I'd have to think more about whether or not I think it can be learned or developed developed is what i should say because i i don't think it's something you're born with it it does have to be developed and i don't know what it is that develops it's also where your priorities lie if you're ambitious to get the high score in the video game but not ambitious to do your homework exactly yeah i guess it is very much based on priority so i guess you could almost say that um, everybody has ambition like the same levels of it and good levels of it it's a matter of directing it towards productive things and non-productive things and i was just about to say something else and i forgot what it was but yeah oh another thing you and i both do we've had this discussion before privately is we both work on ourselves and on our field and what we want to do even if it's not directly tied to a, if it's not in the classroom or tied to a class for you it's art for me it's business yeah. I study business outside of the classroom. For example, when I was talking about this earlier today in a different interview, I go to school. I'm a financial planning major. And I study marketing outside the classroom. I study entrepreneurship. I study self-development. I study just straight-up success habits, basically. Media, podcasting, all this stuff in my free time instead of playing NHL 17 for three years. And I know you do the same thing. I'm sure, you know, you're about to graduate here in a couple weeks, actually. Yeah, Yeah, it's like two weeks. I didn't even realize that. Wow. And I am sure that after you graduate, you're going to come home. Or it's going to be that weird period that, you know. Yeah, that in between where you're not sure what to do. Yeah. I'm sure you are going to do something on your computer. You're going to come up with some project for yourself. You're going to make art. While you're, even if you're working at the movie theater, even if you're doing this, that, and the other, I'm almost, I have a pretty good feeling you're not just going to be like, nah, I'm not going to make yeah. any art because nobody's telling me to. Right. You're going to do Absolutely. it. <laughs> like, that's it's ambition. What I, it's what I love to do. It should be what I love to do, you know? So, you know, in the midst of looking for jobs and stuff like that, but I hate that when I try to tell people I do these things, they're like, why? I'm like, because it's what because I'm interested I, in. I, I like it, and I, I want to do things. Like, why would you do that if you don't have to? You know? And I'm like, why not? Why not is literally, and I'm going to write, like, a book in response to Simon Sinek, Start With Why. That's just going to be called Why Not. <laughs> and I feel like someone's probably already done that. I feel like he might have done that. But, Maybe. Um, or at least small articles. Yeah, seriously. But... It's like, oh, why do you do this work if you don't have to? I'm like, what the fuck do you mean don't have to? Here's a newsflash. If you're going to school for business, art, um, English, math, law, medical, whatever the case may be, that should be what you're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, understand, I understand for people, a lot of it's the money and things like that. And you should at least be interested in, in it mm-hmm. enough to be kind of interested in things similar to it outside your work too yeah uh there used to be this piece of advice that i followed for a long time and now i think it's the worst advice out there um i used to see this thing on social media a lot actually when we were younger about just old enough to have social media and it would say like when you're going to college major and minor in what you love to do and major in what will give you a job i think that's the worst advice ever right now because it's such an uh kind of a, a follower mentality and an employee mentality as they call it in my space. Yes. Like, a, you know, I tell you what to do, you do it. Um, I wouldn't even tell you major minor. I would say do what you love to do. Like period, whatever that is, find out what that is. And uh, if you love it enough, you'll make money at it. 
Yeah, and uh, good old Gary V. Again, depending on his thoughts. Um, <laughs> but you know, he he posted something on Instagram the other. I I just love the way he puts it. It's a thought I've had on my own. He just puts it into words a lot better than I do, which is weird because English isn't even his first language. And uh, yeah, he said he he said something like, "Find out what you." He he said, "Wake up every morning, look at yourself in the mirror, think about what you want to do. Now do that." Like short, sweet, and simple. Find what you want to do. Do that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know how much simpler you can make it. And that's the way that people don't live their lives. But I, I, I do just hate seeing people who are so passionate. And we're not saying, you know, when we get into this passion topic, we're not saying like, oh, you're really extremely passionate about Call of Duty. Cool. Sit in your underwear 24 hours a day, eating Cheetos and watching Call of Duty, or watching Call of Duty. Playing Call of Duty. Channel it into something... Mm-hmm. Like, think of why you like Call of Duty. If you like it because of the strategy of mm-hmm. it, try to learn more about, I don't know, how strategy and math works in video games, how yeah. strategy and math work in war, how, if you like the history of it, start searching about uh, the historical accuracy of the weapons and gear that you see. Yeah. Different things. Yeah, like, start, why you start, like by just, and start by just build from there. Putting out content. I mean, like you were saying, like I can see a lot of traffic going to blog articles on why Call of Duty and uh gosh, I almost said instruments. I don't know why I can't talk today. Why Call of Duty weapons like aren't accurate or something. I see a ton of people reading that. Yeah. And they would. And a lot of people do. I guess the best thing I can say that speaks to ambition is start being the person that you follow. In other words, I use content as this example a lot. Instead of watching YouTube for hours a day. Be the guy that's being watched on YouTube. You know, same thing with all the social media. Instead of instead of absorbing all this content all the time, put it out. Try to imitate see, it. Yes. See what? See what? Like there are two sides of that. There are two teams. You know, the creators and the followers. Yeah. This team has a lot less people on it, and a lot more power <laughs> over what you have. And it it's there. There is such a low barrier to entry. Exactly. There's such a low barrier to be those people putting it out i mean that's what we started doing that's why we're talking to you right now we listen to a lot of podcasts but we decided to go ahead and make our own too yeah and, and we're we're not it's 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 a it's a balance between having the follower mentality to begin with it's having it's being the follower to begin with taking from your mentors and the people you look up to and then and then becoming something new absolutely yeah, yeah carving your own space and the market is definitely like a huge advantage you can give to yourself and stuff like that but yeah so i think i think that wraps it up because i don't know how long we've been yeah i like it longer than we wanted to so let me let me recap the the five points real quick uh the top five reasons that students aren't as successful as they want to be and i think we went off on a lot of tangents on this one but uh students it's fear of failure um if you're afraid of failing and it's getting into your head too much that's going to have an a negative effect on the way you perform essentially so don't be so afraid of failing a test that you're like scared of it uh number two is procrastination yeah number three was dependency of thought so like when i keep saying gary v said this neil degrasse tyson said that joe rogan said that andy Priscilla said that and my said that that's me being a bad example try to do that less and try to formulate your own thoughts and that will help you learn how to how, how things work and why they work the way they do. And that has a huge effect. Uh, poor time management is number four. That's another one that I think we talked about enough while we were on it and not having enough ambition. And one last thing to mention about all this is that they, they kind of lay on top of each other. Like if you get ambition, your ambition together will probably kind of knock out time management and procrastination, at least parts of it, you know, and one of the other. So sometimes it's about the, uh, the big domino effect, which is something else I've learned that I'm going to share with you all in next it's week's episode. Moving together. We'll, we'll, we'll call it next week's episode. So I mean, Jordan actually hold ourselves to having a topic because I did write it down as a topic I want to talk about. It's called the big domino and you're going to learn all about it next week. But until next week, guys, again, if you're listening to JRP Daily. You need to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you can. We would super appreciate it. And if you'd leave us a review on Apple podcast or itunes or something that'd be amazing and um yeah so gerard hit them with your 
wise words of wisdom. Yeah. Wise words of wisdom. Yeah. That is, in fact, Justin. This is, in fact, his podcast. I am, in fact, the guest host for these Star Student Sundays. I am Gerard Mirabelli. And uh, Gerard's an artist, by the way. So check out his artwork. All the links to that will be in the description below. And do the outro. Thanks for listening to JRP Daily. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review so we can continue to come out with new episodes every day.